Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right, Ben, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty well. A little tired this week, but uh, towards the end of the week here, I'm going to look forward to a, a cup of coffee in between our two sessions. I'm how about sure, you? I'm doing well. So, yeah, I'm a little tired as well. So, and uh, my wife just picked up a little one. Uh, so I had her kind of running around the church uh, with uh, me while I was trying to set up. So definitely energy draining. So, you know, I'm glad to be sitting down. How, how about you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm do enjoy that pretty pretty comfortable chair here so that's good yeah i've got if i'd nod off just you know yell or something pretty old chair but it works for me so now speaking of sitting uh i mean at your church do you guys have pews or do you guys have chairs or or something maybe bar stools i don't know (laughs) wouldn't have star bar stools down here my friend uh (laughs) yes we at least right now, I have pews. Now, that may change in the coming months um, because of things with our property and all that. But at the moment, we have some pretty old wooden pews. Actually, uh, the ones in the middle are sort of curved. It's interesting. Um, so moving those is a little tricky. We've had to do that before. And so you got to be careful to I'm not sure. uh, bend them too far. Yeah. So we have pews as well at our church. So it serves our needs in a lot of ways, but there's no, for our church, there's no cushions on the pews. And so people bring their, literally people bring pillows from outside. And uh, I mean, people have like pillows set out in the pews permanently at the church and some bring them in every Sunday. So it's a unique experience here. Well, hey, uh, we have the bottom, the seat part is cushioned, but the back is not. And we have some who bring pillows. We actually have a, there's like a stool somewhere in there. Somebody like they had short legs and so they would put their feet up on the stool. <laughs> well, I, it, and we even have, uh, like two families in our church that I, at least one where I think that they bring in, uh, pillows and cushions for everyone in the family. So, you know, for the family to sit in church. So if the wooden pews were good enough for the apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. Amen. So, all right. So with talking about pews, uh, and uh, you know, our awkward introduction, I want to talk today about children sitting in pews or perhaps in some churches children sitting you know in chairs in church maybe bar stools i don't know uh but uh, exactly so i assume the church you went to when you grew up had pews correct that when you go so cool definitely yeah Yeah, i was wearing my tie uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the religious experience I had when I was a kid was mostly would have been pews. I, I don't know if uh, chairs were just weren't as popular back then or not. I'm really not sure. So, but how did you handle sitting in the pews when you were little? Um, I complained some. I mean, I remember the church that we were at. We had some kind of you know children's thing for pretty young kids, and so you aged out of it reasonably quickly. And I remember I probably complained some. And I at one point I actually complained. It was on a Sunday night and we were there. And I saw someone I knew they were stretched out in the pew asleep. And I tried to lay down as well. And my parents made it known to me quickly that that was not acceptable. It's like, <laughs> what about so-and-so? They're like, well, I'm not so-and-so's parents, so sit up. And uh, But I mean, I, I think I kind of paid attention. I couldn't tell you specific sermons that my pastor preached. But the guy preached the Bible week in and week out. Uh, I think I probably did have my Bible openly, especially as I got older. 
but um yeah i mean i had to learn a little bit to be still and be quiet and yeah Tis normal. So yeah, for me, I didn't have as much of that experience. I, I mean, there would be times I'd go, you know, family members or whatever. Uh, and when I would go, I knew uh, that I know that from at least stories I've been told. At least one time, I was pretty, uh, pretty uh, attached to the my Game Boys that I brought to church. So, <laughs> so <laughs> the weather's for. Hopefully, it was on silent. I don't know if those little Game Boys had had volume. I, I don't remember. It's been so many years remember. ago. But. I had some game. It was like Exodus or something. It was related to the Bible. I don't know, maybe you. I'm Game Boy, nice. That. <laughs> no, it was probably some Mario game. I, you know, I'm, I had the, like a lot of the Mario games on Game Boy. So, uh, but I really have no real memory of a worship service, uh, really before coming to Christ. I mean, I have a vague awareness of a Catholic church, not terribly long before we came. I came to Christ that we went to, but you know, so it wasn't really something that sitting in the pew was not something really pivotal for me growing up, but. Mm. You know, with thinking about kids in the pew, what kind of struggle might kids have sitting through the whole service in a pew? I mean, we've talked some about the reasons for or whatever about kids in the pew, but I want to talk practically about it today. And specifically then, what kind of struggles do you imagine they would have? Well, boredom is definitely one. They're not in a lot of context, even in school. I mean, if the teacher's standing there, they're teaching it from the classroom. There can be more activities. You're asking questions sometimes, depending on the, the setting, you may get up and that kind of stuff. Uh, but some boredom and just general squirminess, antsy, energy, that kind of thing. And depending on what kind of habits you have away from the church and with entertainment and things like that, you mentioned the Nintendo Game Boy now the the technology has progressed quite a bit past that, uh, but with children's programming and all that kind of stuff, I mean, there's just flashing lights and constant stimulation. And so Pastor Bob up there preaching probably doesn't have flashing lights and lasers and stuff like that. <laughs> and so it's just not quite, I don't know, maybe you guys do that up there in Maine, but uh, since you're near a casino and all, but um, <laughs> <laughs> down here in the South, man, we, we don't do it that way. So, I mean, I think that could be uh, an obstacle for a child if they're, if they're used to when they are sitting down, they're watching this stuff that's highly stimulating and then this is at a much slower pace that that could be a challenge yeah yeah i i generally i think we even those who believe that children benefit from the worship service which you know i know that some of our listeners and even among themselves there's some some disagreement but i think generally a a belief that there is a benefit, uh, they're going to have some significant struggles in different ways. And, and the reality is that, I mean, as you kind of alluded to, the sermon is really an incomparable experience at that age. Uh, but then again, I mean, maybe it is at kind of every age. I mean, I don't know of a lot of plumbers that, you know, during the week sit down for a 45 minute, you know, you know, that somebody talking to them for 45 minutes. I don't know a lot of accountants that do that kind of thing. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the culture is really catechizing that ADD, like you mentioned. And it's, you know, I'm sure it was one thing with Game Boys, but it's an entirely different thing with smartphones. And further, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lack of family worship happening in the home, making it a foreign experience, uh, adds to the struggle. You know, it's kind of throwing fuel on the fire. Yeah, I, I could, that could also play a factor. Now, should kids in the service be distracted with games and crafts and, you know, maybe spinning chairs? <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, no to the spinning chairs. 
I think certainly not digital games. I wouldn't want to just give a kid uh, an iPad or a phone and say, here, shut up. Uh, I don't think that's going to be helpful for them. I'm okay with, you know, coloring and things like that. Um, even, I mean, I knew a family that would have their kids draw something from the sermon. They had, they had their own, their own notebook or paper and they said, we want you to draw something from what the pastor preached on. And so, um, that kind of thing. Now, I guess, depending on what, what you have in mind, you know, may shape my answer, but yeah, no, that's good. I, I intentionally made that vague. Yeah. I, I, I want to say regardless, even if you go to the Game Boy route, you know, uh, I think, you know, the worship service is really unique work of the Holy Spirit. So I, I think we should give an acknowledgement that, you know, even 10% attention that comes from, you know, having your tablet out or whatever, you know, playing Minecraft, while, which would be more akin to now while the sermon's going on, is not nothing. Yeah, I mean, that is certainly not nothing. And I think the Spirit can work through, you know, that being in the background rather than some other things being in the background. Uh, but That's I think true. this definitely takes away a lot of these things, especially in excess, takes away your ability to, to disciple them into church. You know, if we, we take them into church and we just kind of throw these things at them because we know they're not going to complain, they're not going to find it boring, you know, we're, we're really depriving them of the ability to disciple them into the local church, into the gathering of the saints on every Sunday basis. Uh, but I, I do definitely think some crafts and games can can serve their attention and enable mm -hmm. it. it. And a lot of it's going to be kid to kid, uh, you know, type of case. Some kids will be more distracted by it, you know. I, I mean, I as, you know, a man in his mid-30s is probably able to focus better through doodling and you know, doing mazes during the middle of the through something. Uh, and so, you know, if that's true of me, I imagine many, many kids are the same as well, and certainly some of ours. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, some people actually focus better if they're sort of doodling on a piece of paper, um, not even taking notes, but just drawing flowers or circles or something, yeah. uh, something about the, how it works cognitively and the, the kinesthetic. I mean, I don't know, I'm just throwing around words, but there's something to that that it, it helps aid in it. Yeah. And that's always been, you know, that for me, my ADD brain and uh, uh, the, and so, yeah, I think we do what works for our kids, but, you know, obviously there are things that, you know, if we're trying to convince ourselves the tablet works and helps them pay attention, you know, maybe we're convincing ourselves more than something that we really believe in. <laughs> now, how can mom and dad diligently disciple their children that are in the pew with them? Well, I think it starts before you get there. You prepare mm. them for what what they're going to face and help them see, okay, this is what we're going to do, This then we'll do this next. This is why we do this. And also, if you encounter a problem, just kind of gently remind them, hey, remember what we talked about? This is expectations for what we do during this time. And also even discuss, hey, there, there could be some consequences, there will be some consequences if, you know, if you're disobedient. It's one thing if, you know, you drop your pencil and it roles. I mean, we had this uh, business meeting, which I was talking about with the pews, talk about a potential sale of a portion of our property. And so it was this long meeting. I mean, it was like two hours long. And so my kids are in there and we allowed them to bring like a bag of stuff because I mean, we're sitting yeah. there talking about, so this is not a preaching service. You know, this was, we're talking about all these details about the property. And so two of my kids had uh, like little cars and we were kind of towards the back trying to be quiet. And so I, I didn't mind. They, they really weren't being disruptive. But then one of them got under and then the floor in the room there, it sort of gently 
declines down towards the front. Mm -hmm. And so one of the cars like starts going up under the pews and, you know, and then I see a kid like, you know, crawling, like, no, 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 you were not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think at first, because they weren't close to anybody, it didn't bother me. And then I saw like going further and, you know, Tiffany was uh, not, not standing for that, but um, I think just discussing those kind of things ahead of time, helping them know that they're, if, if you're being disobedient, um, that's, that there can be some consequences, yep. uh, but that kind of thing. So how about you? I mean, cause I know this is a, a pretty big thing for you. And so, yeah, yeah, we've, uh, this is something that, you know, and I want to say that both of us have an element of embracing this to varying degrees, but you know, there's going to be different choices, different families take. Yeah. And yeah, this has been something that we've valued and has become something even our kids have valued. And, uh, you know, even when we had to kind of face significant costs for valuing it. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, so yeah, I, I would agree with you definitely about, you know, it begins in the car to church and, and, you know, it really ends in the car home. I mean, we should talk about it on the way in review, discuss what happened, discuss, you know, uh, cars underneath the views or whatever <laughs> on the way home, whatever happens. We have similar situations happens for sure. So, but, you know, and one practical thing I think that has helped us, and I actually don't remember who I learned this from, but somebody had done this in front of me, and that was for, you know, if you have children that are of an age that can't read, uh, you know, say the lyrics. And that's actually a lot of songs that are geared towards congregational singing, which unfortunately a lot of CCM isn't, uh, mm -hmm. intentionally will have kind of a, a gap, basically a breathing time between uh, lyrics. And you can kind of use those times as a parent to, you know, to tell them the verses, you know, quickly let them know it since they can't, you know, read the pew, they can't read the hymnal and they can't read, you know, the slides in front of them. So, yeah, sometimes I'll do that. And I don't know if I'm seen as looking, you know, like I'm speaking in tongues, but, you know, <laughs> that's been a practical thing to help our kids kind of be part of the service. So uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think finding out little things in the service, you know, like uh, have like you can assign a child to count how many times a certain word is said. Uh, I think that can be literally a really uh, helpful thing. You know, if the sermon's on propitiation, you know, <laughs> Johnny, uh, and you know, and I've done this myself to help myself pay attention. Uh, but it's a little way that I think we can help. But in general, I think the best thing that moms and dads can do to deal gently disciple their children and their pew with them is be patient and wait upon the Lord for years, because this is not a quick process. This is a slow work of the Holy Spirit. Very, yes. The, the crock pot versus the microwave. It is definitely so, but, uh, and children are more prone to like the microwave stuff. So yes. Or chicken nuggets in general. <laughs> <laughs> now, how should parents respond when children don't sit still or when children get loud? I mean, obviously, I think you want to be as calm and gentle as possible. Sometimes just a look can be good, mm -hmm. a hand on them. Um, you need to take them out sometimes if needed. I think that's sort of like a when it gets over and over and it's a defiance kind of issue. And be willing to enforce consequences that, again, I think for defiance or it's, oh, I just keep doing this thing. I, I don't know how it's happened. It just keeps happening. Yeah. And it's sort of a feigned, I don't know. I think, you know, those kind of situations, but, you know, and, and it just, I mean, it's just probably going to depend on the child. Um, but th those are things that we have found helpful. And, yeah. we, and again, we don't probably take 
quite the same approach. But we have, especially after COVID, I mean, and my our youngest. So we came back from COVID and he didn't want to go into the nursery. And I thought, you know, that, that's fine. And, and he sat in the service as a pretty small guy and yeah. was quiet. But yeah, I mean, those are things that we have found helpful in our own case. Yeah. I think in general with the sitting still and getting loud, I think one, honestly, one word I, I want to give to anybody is expect this. Expect that they're not going to sit still, that they're going to get loud at times. And you know, don't be scandalized yeah. when it happens because they still are children and it takes time for them to learn this. And even when they've learned it, you know, uh, you know, one child is going to sit on the other child's uh, against the other child's wrong. And then no, <laughs> whatever reaction. <laughs> anyway, so uh, and uh, I definitely think that in the service there are times you know take them out temporarily when it's a distraction, but you've got to be very careful because I know of cases where parents have basically made it into a reward, you know, <laughs> where a kid can mm-hmm. you know get out of what's benefiting them when you know they act up in a certain way. So uh, and I, I think in general we should allow some uh, you know little literal wiggle room. You know, literally, we should allow wiggle room for our kids in some ways when appropriate. You know, don't, uh, you know, if they're moving around a little bit, if they're, you know, if they're not sitting in the way that you would expect, you know, a, you know, I, I guess the, you know, the the person with an aura coming around them, you know what I mean, that's a saintly church member sitting. It's okay. It's okay if they're going to move around a bit. I think, yeah, just giving grace for their age and their development. And yeah, one thing when we came back from COVID and we had all of us in the pew, at some point, I think some of the kids kind of wanted to sit next to each other. They were sharing something they were writing on. And we realized pretty quickly, though, that we needed to separate. Like it needed to be child, parent, child, parent, Uh child. And then it eliminated a lot of issues. It just worked much better. I mean, to be fair, and a lot of this, you know, I, I do think my wife could probably speak to this a lot better than I, d- I do because, you know, and my position now, I'm preaching nearly every Sunday. And so she's got the uh, she's got the harder task <laughs> than I do. And I'm mm-hmm. thankful for her work with that. So now how can parents who keep their kids in the service help their child who feels like, you know, they're missing out when the other kids are being dismissed, for example, or the other kids are talking about how awesome, you know, junior church or whatever whatever a church calls it is. One, I'd want to ask questions to help them dig into their own heart and mind a little bit about what they think it is that they're truly missing. It may, and they may go, hmm, well, maybe maybe it's not quite what I thought. That's not a guarantee, though. Yeah. I think, too, talk about the good that they're receiving and, and try to make yourself relatable to them and you know, expressing it like, I know that this is good for me. And there's times when, you know, mom or dad gets bored and I have to work to pay attention. And I, it's sort of like uh, diet or medicine or exercise, helping them see things like, you know, we have you eat these foods because, well, and we think they taste good, but they're also good yeah. for us. Or we take these things because ultimately we know the good that will come out of it. And so it's not all about just how do I feel right now? Trying to help them think along those lines and pray for them too, that they come to value that, Hey, this is a benefit. And I mean, this is not, not that you do this to like make them feel guilty. Like there's children in Africa starving, so you should finish your plate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, there are, if you pray for the persecuted church or just bring those kind of things to their awareness yeah. that people are just like starving to get a Bible because it's illegal in their country or things like that. Um, and we, we don't have to worry about that, at least, you know, in the United States, I know other people from 
different countries listen, and, and I don't know in each of those yeah. contexts, but I think the primary audience here is going to be American, and so that would be our experience. But those are just some things that come to mind. What about you? Yeah, I, I think a couple important things to add on that is that, you know, when we do talk to our kids about this, we should always avoid demeaning other parents, other parents that make different choices. You know, I, I think it is right and good to explain to our children, you know, why we would make that kind of choice. But we don't do that in a way that's going to, you know, speak poorly of another child or speak poorly uh, of another family in general. Uh, but for them, I think we can explain, I mean, much of like what you said, that what's good for them and, and the, you know, the special regular means of grace that they're getting. I, I mean, I, I think we should show that we don't emphasize this enough in the modern church, that the local church is a unique work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've heard John Piper, you know, say that the, he doesn't like the term children's church because he says there's no children's lightning. You know, church is something and there's power in it. And mm. so, you know, whatever term you use, but I think we can show them, you know, they get the lightning. They don't have to have, you know, a different version. Uh, and and I, lastly, I'd add to this, don't get mad at them, uh, you know, if they get frustrated, but make it clear that this decision comes from love. You know, this is a desire that you have to love them, uh, but, you know, show that you're going to be patient with them and understand even where they're coming from. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Now, how might children being in uh, the pews be a challenge of the whole church? Or do you think it wouldn't be? I think it's going to depend. Somebody that we both know talked to me one time about this person had been out of church for a long time. And they went to church and there's, man, there's these people and their kids are just squirming all over the place. And it was a big distraction for this person. And I don't know how bad the kids were or were not, but it could be a source of distraction. Some people may be more sensitive to that. A lot of times, especially if it's a really small child, women in particular will look and just smile. And, oh, look at that precious <laughs> little, you know, I, I mean, the kid would have to be like banging the somebody on the head with something in a way that injured them for them to really get upset about it. But um, I think that can be the case. Other times people, I think often the parents themselves are more conscious of how loud it is or that kind of thing, how distracting it might be yeah. than the people who are actually around. They're just like, oh yeah, the kids are going to do they're going to move. Yeah, I think the, those are very true. And, you know, I suspect most Christians are going to be patient with people, even if they would take a different choice. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, a challenge that it's going to give to the whole church is going to be, I mean, the service won't be that serene image in our head. You know, it's not, the service will stop looking like, you know, the what, a Thomas Kincaid painting or whatever, you know, it's going to be a little messy and challenging at times, but, and I think it further, unfortunately it can expose the ugly and, and the adults sometimes, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, I've known of cases where people have, you know, that gotten hot and bothered about a child that, you know, had a reaction, you know, had a spell and was taken out, uh, that wasn't bothered when, you know, that person was visibly texting during the worship service. And, you know, so I, I think it can expose the hypocrisies that, and people and, you know, impatience that we, have and that's something we all need to grow in so how can the yeah. church member without little ones in light of that love the families that are together in the pew ben one idea especially if you know the family or you sit nearby is to occasionally let offer to let the kids sit with them mm. especially if it's a kid that you know they maybe you feel like you're a little ahead of or you did that with your own kids you're like yeah i maybe i could help them a little bit 
and you know, this might be a blessing to their parents as well. And they're kind of, like, oh, this is cool. And like, oh, look, I, I got you something here. And I mean, thankfully, it wasn't because my kids were acting up, but there was a lady that had been sitting kind of in front of us. And she had one of those clicker pens, you know, the different colors. Uh-huh. I think she had a couple of them at home. And so she thought, oh, I know who would like those. And so she brought them for my kids and Aww. they thought it was great. <laughs> Bring a pad for them to write on or draw or say, hey, I got you a present. And just try to encourage the parents verbally, even if you just, you know, just smile or just pat them on the shoulder, something like that. And tell them, hey, I've been there. Or even if you've, you've not been there, just saying something affirming, hey, I think that's great. You've got them in there. You're uh, trying to train them in the ways of the Lord. That yeah. kind of thing. It could probably go a long way, especially if the kid had a rough day. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with you on that. I mean, the encouraging aspect to me is one of the most important things. You know, it, it can go. It, I mean, almost that's almost an understatement that it can go a long way. It's profound for people. It means a lot mm-hmm. to especially a lot of moms, you know, that are really stressed out in that. So, uh, yeah, and I agree with you. Sitting, you took a lot of what you know. He didn't have the same notes as me, but yeah, a lot of the same things here. I mean, sitting even together, the clicker pen. So. I didn't have the clicker pen. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I think remember that when you missed that sermon illustration, for example, from that noise, that you know, the noise of a kid. I think this is a little tidbit for people. Know that you know the noise is a sound of a beautiful reality of a spiritual mm-hmm. thing that's happening. And so, yeah, my guess is you know, that a church that embraces kids in the service, you know, you might get one or 2% less out of the sermon, but you know, the one or 2% less is because of the beauty of what's going on around you, if that makes sense. I mean, I know of uh, that, for example, Vody Bauckham, and I'm not going to endorse everything about him, uh, but you know, his church, he's always been pushed heavily family integrated. And if you listen to a lot of the sermons online, especially of a certain era, there were, you know, there'd be times where you know, you'd hear, you'd hear crying in the middle of a, of a sermon and, and yeah, and I didn't probably get that exact word that he said, but that's okay because you, you've been thankful that God's working through his spirit in a special way in that kid's life. But yeah, I, I definitely think people like, you know, with a clicker pen or, you know, on our, our church, there have been multiple people that, you know, have blessed us, uh, you know, in the pews and for our kids, uh, there, there's a uh, guy in our church. He used to be a pastor and he, uh, he is known by our kids as, as the candy man. And, <laughs> Uh, they run to him right after church, and he has a box with candy in it. And then there's another uh, woman in the church that always has really special candies for them, too. So kind of we have the candy man and the candy woman. And so they know, you know, I mean, that's part of their church experience in a way that right after church, they go <laughs> they go to Candyman and Candywoman who love on them, you know, uh, you know, as kind of right after They've been in the pew the whole time, and and, and little things like that, I think, can go a a long way. I know that does for our kids. No, that's a good point. I mean, as you were talking about the the sign or the the sound of something beautiful, it could even be if, if you're tempted to be bothered by it. Say this is oh that's like a bell reminding me this is an opportunity for ministry after the service I'm just going to make it a point to go try to affirm those parents hey you know I'm praying for your family or something like that and that your kids will love the Lord and just turn it to something positive instead of oh man that kids you know needs to get it together mm-hmm. yeah it's good so now what can next generation ministries do to help children who attend the worship service 
You could provide resources. Hmm. Um, we do something like this, and I got the idea from you several years ago, and we've got them in two different spots, but we provide bulletins that are based on the passage of Scripture, and that can be pretty helpful. Uh, there's younger ones and older ones. You could have some kind of worksheets maybe, things in that realm. I think you could also offer some tips to parents. I mean, if you just had them available in different spots where you just outline some things like we're talking about here, you know, prepare your kids ahead of time, be gracious, just different kinds of things, whatever you come up with as a, an ongoing resource to help parents think about it and be a little more intentional and talk about it publicly too and and make it very apparent that there's grace. The kids yeah. may make some noise and that's okay. And um, our my boss, our senior pastor, has told me multiple times in private. He said, I, "If kids are making noise or crying or whatever, I, I don't even notice." He said, "I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm glad they're there." And so, I, and I've tried to say that even publicly because I've gotten up to pray before he preaches and drawing attention. Oh, if you did, if you're a child here and you didn't get a bulletin, if at some point you want to get one, it's it's okay. Parents, it's okay for them to get up and, yeah. and say, "Pastor Mark says he does not mind. He doesn't. If y'all yeah. are making noise or something. It doesn't bother him." And so, just trying trying to you know state that up front so that people don't feel condemnation or or yeah. give it yeah, I had a couple things. So one of the things that's going to relate to you know we've talked about kind of junior church kids church type stuff, and I think one honestly one way that helps children in the worship service is going to be being careful with the terminology of any alternatives that you might have. Uh, and because I, I actually do, as I've thought about this more, you know, I, I think churches that have, you know, something called kids church uh, and not all the kids go to it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think there's an implication there. There's something wrong with what our family is doing that, you know, that I don't belong, that I'm an adult church and I don't really belong here. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of astray here, if that makes sense. And I don't think that, so it's okay and sometimes have an alternative, but, you know, maybe try to find alternatives that treat that alternative as a stepping stone and even in the language that you use because you really want to celebrate. You want to honor the worship service. And if any children's ministry tries to compete with what God created, uh, that is the height of foolishness, uh, you know, and, and, and I arrogance. Think, yeah. And with that, you know, uh, actually we were at a, a church and a great godly pastor and I'm really thankful for, you know, a lot of what he's done, a man of integrity. And, and I remember he said something uh, along the lines, and I've heard this before, that when basically the kids were dismissed, uh, you know, what's happening in the other room, you know, it, it's so much more important than, you know, basically like, I wish I could be in there. And, and I, I think I maybe slipped into saying that wrongly because I think doing that kind of thing, uh, it makes it harder for those who have kids in the service. Uh, and for further, I mean, it's wrong. It's just unbiblical. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it acts as if what we create is superior to what, you know, God has created. It's a really good point. Yeah. And lastly, I'd say, you know, for those involved next generation ministry full time, you know, I have known of cases of families and it's, you know, most of the time Mike has been in the service. I've been the next gen ministry guy, uh, but uh, we're kind of these, the kids that are in the service, the kids whose parents want them to stay with them, they kind of end up falling through the crack. You know, they're, hmm. they're not really considered among those that, you know, the family or children's pastors called to disciple. And just make sure that's not the case. Make sure, you know, even if it's the children's director 
from going out of the way to make sure that, you know, you get a high five from, you know, the, the six year old that's in the worship service afterwards. I think those kind of things can be helpful to show that, yeah, we, we see us as discipling you and helping you as well. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Now, should churches ever provide any tools or activities uh, for children who stay in the service? And you kind of alluded to this earlier, and we probably both have played our cards a little bit already. Yeah, I think it can be a very helpful thing because then you're giving them something to focus on. Not all of them take it, and then that's okay. But you're at least trying to direct their attention to, to Scripture, to the Lord. And you can't fully tell them what to think, but you can try to help them you know, yeah. on what they should think about. And so, and it may help the parents that may, especially if they're new to church or they're just, it's not on their radar, you're giving them something to help them along a little bit. And so it's something we have found to be useful. I I definitely think so. You know, our church, uh, we, we have a kid's bulletin that kids can have, and, you know, and the purpose is not, it's really kind of a supplement to the bulletin so they can kind of write in certain things, you know, like, you know, write in, uh, you know, the, the song that stuck out the most to them or were, you know, if it's the New Testament or Old Testament passage for the sermon and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I think these can be good, but I would encourage, especially for those that don't have time for it, I'd be careful. And it, there are moralistic stuff out there that is that's going to undo a lot uh, for mm-hmm. kids in the worship service. And that can do more damage than good. Uh, but, you know, craft, I think even little things like crayon bags or papers can go a long way and mean a lot to, you know, the, those families who stay in or even, you know, those, you know, families that don't stay in, but, you know, want to make some connection to the worship service. Yeah, that's good. Now, how might specifically preachers uh, welcome the children in their service through preaching ministry? I know, you know, you preach quite a bit, and I, you know, I preach almost every Sunday now, but in general, what would you say about this? One way is to address them directly with application Mm -hmm. and just, hey, Mm -hmm. if you're a child or you're a teenager, teenagers, hopefully it's not too much of an issue to be in the service at that point. But I mean, I think you and I both have heard of churches that did like a, a special youth thing. And so they were just cloistered off and don't think that's that's at all to be advised, yeah. but address them directly with your application and even sometimes with your illustrations. I think it yeah. may be easier in application to do that more regularly. But and I've even heard the great D.A. Carson he probably wouldn't want to be called that. But I mean, the guy's made a big contribution yeah. to a lot of things. And I heard him in preaching, he said, aim for the smart 14 year old just as far as the the level that you're on. Now, the way that he preaches, I don't know, he may be a, a little bit ahead of the smart 14-year-old, but well, he's Canadian. Uh, he's good, maybe maybe but, that's a Canadian smart 14-year-old. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cambridge educated and all that. But um, another is to pray for the kids. You know, if there's element mm. times when you're praying, just praying specifically for the children. So you, you're communicating, we know you're here and we love you. You know, I, I've never done this and our, our church doesn't. I've seen it done. And it, I think that maybe because you're you're harder, or maybe you're more conservative on the regulative principle than I am, though I still, I mean, I would say, yes, I, I yeah. affirm it. Um, but having the kids gather around for like a kid's word even based on the sermon text you're going to do, if you just kind of boil down the main point and, and you're hitting them and it's giving them a little face time with the pastor and then, you know, you have your main sermon. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't like tell people necessarily to go do that, but I don't think that that would be at all wrong to do. Yeah, I agree with you. 
that I think that can be a beneficial way. I mean, there's, I think there's a variety of ways you can do this. I, I would definitively, I mean, double down on what you said about the application. If we don't, you know, if we're going to apply a sermon to life and, you know, workplace, we need to apply life to, to life in the playground. We just mm-hmm. need to. So, and, uh, you know, I think define some of the words you use that actually, I think one of the errors that we could go to would be to avoid some of the big theological words because of kids, you know, one, I, I think that people need to learn them. Uh, and two, honestly, I think kids in general, my experience, when you use a big word and you tell the kids what it means and you basically like ask the kids after the service what it is and they know it, that, you know, <laughs> they, they, get, they get jacked about that. They love that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I, I do know some preachers, you know, I don't do this and maybe I should, uh, but really connect to kids by doing things like providing, you know, a little encouragement and reward, if you will, after the service. I, I mentioned, you know, counting up the amount of a certain word. And I, I mean, I know of a pastor that uh, will, you know, he knows how many times he says a certain word or maybe he doesn't and just allows people to guess whatever. And he asks the kids, you know, if you can tell me how many times I said this word in the sermon or, you know, what characters all were mentioned from biblical narratives, then, you know, I'll give you a piece of candy after church or something like that. You know, and I think those can, you got to be careful with that, but, you know, it can be beneficial and an act of love and just inclusion of the kids. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. It gets them paying close attention. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Should uh, pastors avoid preaching on sensitive topics then when little ones are present? I think it depends on the dynamics of the church, the ages in there, the programming options available, uh, all of that. But maybe with certain topics or texts that you could be a little difficult to, I guess we could say, give a warning ahead of time that there may be some mature content ahead, or just be very careful about the level of explanation or illustration or application that you give on those topics. But I I mean, I remember hearing Russell Moore talking about some woman rebuking him after he was preaching from first Corinthians about, you know, not being joined to a prostitute. And she's like, well, thanks a lot. Now I've got to tell my kid what a prostitute is. And he said, well, you know, that wasn't me. That was the Holy spirit that had that (laughs) text inspired. (laughs) And it's true. I mean, and it's in scripture. So, I mean, we shouldn't run from those at the same time. There's things that I'm not going like, so for instance, and tell me, tell me if you think I was wrong, but we were reading through the book of Ruth at home and our family worship. And, we got to chapter four and it talked about Ruth and Boaz getting married. And then it says, you know, that he slept with her and she conceived yeah. a, a child in the translation we were reading. And I just took the liberty to say, you know, and she conceived and it's still getting the elements. And again, it was not like being graphic there or something, but um, anyway, you know, sometimes things like that. I mean, I think we can just use some wisdom as far as how we address certain things, yeah. but um, and if it's something that's just like, this is really going to be edgy, maybe we plan that just because of the nature of it. We need to be this explicit or specific. Um, I don't know. I remember several years ago when I was in college, my pastor was going to be preaching about adultery and from um, somewhere in Proverbs 5 to 7. And they did give, I think, ahead of time and then right before the sermon, like, again, that we're going to cover some pretty mature subject matter here. And so... You know, if your children would like to go out to the children's program, 
uh, they're welcome. And maybe they even expanded it a little bit that week. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. It. And I think at times that can, if a church deems it necessary and you have parents willing, and, and that's the key, you know, it's still the parents' decision, and that if they want their kids in the service, you know, we can't block that. But yeah. Uh, it's a more Driscoll a sermon, point. you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I wouldn't go to a Driscoll church, period. So, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I... I would definitely say pastors should never avoid preaching the whole counsel of the, of the Word of God for anyone, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. And we don't skip over things because, you know, they're uncomfortable. And actually, in fact, I think even for kids in the service in them time, these times, you know, them exploring these kind of things at church versus school tends to be a very good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but at times definitely, I think it's appropriate to give heads up. But, you know, I don't know. We are... Fifth Sundays, we don't have any children's programs during the service. So this coming Sunday, I'm preaching with all the kids in there, and uh, I'm going to be addressing the centurion and uh, his slave, and I'm going to be noting that some people think it's homosexual, but it's not. So for last question in this, Ben, what are some helpful resources on helping children benefit from the worship service? I don't have anything specific as far as a, a written item. Now, I would recommend childrensbulletins.com, and it's a paid subscription. You can do it for a year, two years, three years, this kind of thing. But they have, if your church uses lectionaries, they have that. We don't, but they also just, you can pick by passage of scripture, and they have like a younger version and an older version. And they don't have every single text of scripture, but they have a a lot. And so that's pretty helpful. They have it in color and in black and white, which you could personalize it. And it also has a code on there where you can uh, get access to these online games. My kids have done that a little bit, not at church, but at home. And it's just kind of like simple video games. And uh, but they, they found it fun. So we have made a lot of use of that. I think Truth78, formerly Children Desiring God, has these notebooks that you can purchase. And I've not used those. I've kind of seen it. But it tries to ask questions. It just would be a generic format that would apply to every service. You know, what was the song you liked or something like that. But uh, what about you? Yeah, we've used both of those things. So, and uh, that, yeah. So, I, um, if I had more time for that kind of thing, I'd do the children's bulletin rather than, you know, just printing out the same thing every week for our kids. So, uh, at church. But yeah, no, those are great. So, uh, book wise, I, I had a couple books I think that are really great for this. If anyone has the time, there's an old book that's probably 30, 40 years old uh, called Parenting in the Pew by Robbie Castleman. And it's ca- widely considered a classic, you know, and maybe a bit on the legalistic end, just in terms of, you know, basically dictating this is how I did it and therefore this is how you should do it. But a lot of really helpful uh, personal experience advice. And then uh, Let the Children Worship is great. And it's really more of a good uh, focus on the argument for children in the worship service, but it also gets very practical. And uh, that is by Jason Holopoulos, who's been on the podcast before for. So that's right. Really great resource as well. So, well, I hope that uh, our listeners have benefited from this discussion and maybe it helps them sit in the pew and realize that it's okay for them to doodle. Amen. <laughs> well, we, we should get ready to find some uh, papers to doodle with on Sunday, right, Ben? <laughs> 
just just a note to go. Uh, somebody I know in our church, their dad was a pastor growing up, and they were sitting in the balcony, and so he and the brother were like making a paper airplane, which in and of itself not necessarily a problem. But then the airplane took flight and flew around and landed on Dad's pulpit, <laughs> and then they had to make the walk of shame up to the front. That's awesome. So just just a note of caution. Yeah, don't do that one. So. All right, listeners, be blessed, and uh, we'll fly away like a paper airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week. And join us again every first and third Thursday.